Buying or selling a home can be challenging, but it doesn't have to be. Heritage Realty makes buying and selling easy. With Heritage Realty, you get local market expertise, one-on-one service, and the support of a network of agents across the area. Heritage Realty cares about the details and goes above and beyond to deliver the service you need. Knowledge is power. Trust Heritage Realty to buy or sell your home. For the newest listings and detailed market reports, visit HeritageRealtyKnox.com. Heritage Realty, where today's technology meets traditional customer service. Uh, Notre Dame has a new coach, and it is not the coach we thought that it was going to be, or one of the coaches we thought it was going to be. They actually promoted Marcus Freeman, the 35-year-old defensive coordinator who has been there a year, to become the head coach of the program. And this is after yesterday, one one writer for 24-7 reported that they were going to wait on Luke Fickle. Camp. And and just eat this signing day with the assistance they have. Camp. And roll with Fickle, and we'll see what happens from there. Uh, Matt Campbell was also reportedly on the market as well. They could have had Matt Campbell. Why was he not hired? I have no, I have no idea. Like, like what are these programs doing? You've got Matt Campbell that's been sitting here for years and years and years, been rumored for every single job, continues to win, continues to do more with less. Like, why has nobody hired Matt Campbell yet? That Matt Cam- Campbell should have been hired three days ago. Yeah. You, you couldn't afford. I mean, you really can't afford to wait on Luke Fickle. Nope. He's going to be in the playoffs. Yeah, likely. I, absolutely. I mean, and I also think what Matt Campbell's done at Iowa State to me is more impressive than what Luke Fickle's done at Cincinnati. I, I, I just think it's impossible to do what Matt Campbell's done at, at, at Iowa State. Yeah. So, and and this year was a disappointing, absolutely. It was a top 10 team that finishes 7 and 5. So I, I get that this year was disappointing. They don't have the talent to be 7 and 5 in the Big 12. So, because yeah. you can't get players to Ames, Iowa. If you look at their athletics department budget, it's about a, their football budget's about a third of Tennessee's. Right, and they've got the same record that Tennessee does, no. which is just incredible that they, but he, that he's been able to do that. But I like they, they hire the they hire the assistant and it promote the defensive coordinator. We've seen in years past somebody brings in a an assistant that's young and upcoming, and it works. Ryan Day at Ohio State, right? They just promote him to be head coach, and man, they they win a whole lot of games. So losing two games in a season is a shock to Ohio State under Ryan Day. No, uh, we we saw Dabo winning. Get promoted to Clemson, Lincoln Riley. Lincoln Riley. Get promoted at Oklahoma. Like with, with those, I mean, you've got you've got legendary coaches who are saying that's your guy, kind of like Roy Williams and Hubert Davis over here saying, "Hey, hey, that's him." Yeah, yes, that's it. Hire him, and, and and if that's the case, it's kind of like okay, okay, that's what I'm going to do. Yeah, yeah. That's not the case with here. It's a secession plan. There yeah. was no secession plan in place. I I just the problem. So Will Muschamp was going to be at Texas. Yeah, for the longest time. Absolutely. Yeah. It, look, it's it's twofold the problem for me. One. I just don't I can't find a scenario where the defensive coach that it worked out, right? The last time I could find that somebody did this was Bob Davey. And how'd that work out, in Notre Dame? Uh two, I would look at uh the other thing that I look at is I for whatever reason, whenever someone gets rejected, they like to go with the incestual hire. And this feels like the incestual hire. You got rejected by Brian Kelly. He went and took another Power Five job. So you went to the guy who really, really, really wants your job. Yep. And I hear Marcus Freeman is a just an amazing dude. Uh, but he's 35 years old. He's been a defensive coordinator for all of five years in his career. He is a fantastic recruiter, but, and you're keeping the band together as far as the rest of the assistants and things like that. You just could have gone and gotten a really good proven head coach. And the most, what, what you didn't do, you, what you did is the Tennessee thing, the Tennessee thing in the past where you went and got the guy who's got the relationships and everybody likes, and he's a really nice guy and he gets, he knows the lay of the land and so, and so, yeah. and so, and so what you didn't do was go hire the most qualified adult for your job. And usually when you don't go go hire the most qualified adult for your job, it ends in failure. And I can't, I hope I'm wrong because I hear this dude is amazing. Just a great guy. 
And players are excited about it. Recruits are excited about it. Boosters are excited about it. Former players are excited about him. That he's just an amazing dude. But being an amazing dude doesn't win you football games. Frankly, no. usually goes the other way. Being a good person, it's hard to be a good person and win a lot of football games. Uh, Urban Meyer's really great at coaching. He, no one has ever called him an amazing dude. <laughs> so uh, Brian Kelly has won a lot of games. Yeah. Is the exact opposite, the antithesis of an amazing dude. He won a lot of football <laughs> games at, at Notre Dame. So I, I just, it reminds me of, I've got this buddy that every time he used to break up with a girl when we were in our 20s, he would go back to one of the two girls he dated in high school. Like, and he would always, because they really wanted him. So whenever he got rejected here, he went here because he knew that he could get his ego inflated. Everybody has a situation like that, or you've been in a situation like that. <laughs> or you know somebody. It's called, oh, what do they phrase it on How I Met Your Mother? Um, it was a funny thing on How I Met Your Mother. I'll think of it in two hours. <laughs> but it's like a safety thing. It's like, it just I need you to inflate my ego for yeah. me because I know you really like me. Whereas, net, yeah. It's, yeah, it's a safety net. And it feels like Notre Dame stuck with their safety net here instead of hiring the most competent adult for their job. I hope I'm wrong. Yeah. But this feels like it's going to fail. It feels like Tennessee boosters going and hiring some guy they know really well. And Kevin Steele, this is what it feels like. As you yeah. went and got Kevin Steele, instead of hiring the most qualified adult for your head coaching job at Notre Dame. It's called having someone on your hook, by the way. Anyway, yes, you you move on. And I, was there a conversation with Matt Campbell? I mean, did he say no? Why would he say no? Um, why does this? I mean, th- this makes no sense to me because you are Notre Dame. Are you? I mean, this is just another example of why Notre Dame is not what Notre Dame used to be, right? I mean, for the longest time, a, a Notre Dame sitting head coach would not leave for another Power Five school. That's one other thing. But also, look what USC did. Look what LSU did. They went through their way around. And said, hey. You know, we want you right here, right now, yeah. because we, we want a proven winner. Let's go get a proven commodity. Yeah. Um, Notre Dame did not do that. And so Notre Dame could have done that, in my opinion. Now, what is Matt Campbell making in Iowa State? Uh, he's got he's gotten raises and upon raises upon raises, yeah, right? Yeah, he has. There's still, again, there's not a, just not a ton of money, and there's not a lot of big assistance pool there. Uh, but he, I don't think he's making, he's was, not close to being one of the top. You have $4 million. Okay. So Notre Dame was playing, was paying Brian Kelly, like five and change. Yeah. They'd have to pay him more than that. If they were going to get Matt Campbell. I just want to know what the deal is with Matt Campbell here. Um, well, he wouldn't take other jobs and the report what the thought was, and a lot of people said all year long, he's holding out for the Notre Dame job. Whenever yeah. Brian Kelly leaves for the NFL or whatever, he'll take the, he'll go get the Notre Dame, Notre Dame job. Luke Fickle, there's the belief that no, Luke Fickle was holding out for either Ohio State or Notre Dame. Yeah, you, and the, th- the, mat- the the fact of the matter is you can't, in today's football, you cannot afford, it's kind of a catch-22. You can't afford, you can't afford to wait on Luke Fickle. You just can't because, I mean, if, if, if Cincinnati were to lose this weekend, then sure, which is why maybe you should have waited just a couple more days just in case. But you cannot afford to wait on Luke Fickle to coach throughout the playoffs. Dude, can you not blow one class to see if this guy's your guy for 15 years? I mean, you can, but you're just setting yourself back. Yeah. I mean, I, it's, you have it's a top five smart. recruiting class now. So if you end up look, with a bunch of people leaving and you end up at 18th instead of top five, do I, you? I think, you'd, I think you'd fall well past that, in my you? opinion. I think you'd fall, in, in my opinion, when you get like to the 25s, 30, I mean, 25 and beyond, it's like, okay, this class, well, they're all the same. One problem of it is that it's not like you can just go ahead and announce that you have an agreement in place before signing day with Cincinnati and Matt and Luke Fickle and that he's going to coach the playoff, right, for yeah. Cincinnati. That's not going to happen. Mm-hmm. So, and he's not recruiting for you if he is doing that. So, and, and it's also with Freeman, you'd have to work something out where Freeman's going to take the Cincinnati job afterwards to get him to, he's going to then try to recruit to Cincinnati. Yeah. And the whole thing would get weird. That's why I said yesterday, hire, hire, hire Matt Campbell, go do it right now. Just mm-hmm. be done. It's a really good coach. This is not Jeremy Pruitt being a defensive coordinator at Alabama, accepting Tennessee's job, coming here, recruiting for two weeks, working going back to Alabama, and then sitting out of the recruiting meetings over there at Alabama as you prepare for a national championship. This is a little bit different. Is this going to work? 
I don't know. I mean, we'll see. I look just looking at uh, you know Marcus Freeman's resume. There's nothing on here that's going to tell me that like man, I feel really confident in this hire. I mean, he's got experience. Um, he doesn't have a whole lot of big time experience. He's been around some winning football. Sure, he played the football in the NFL for a little bit at linebacker. He knows the position. But there's nothing over here that says, okay, I know why this is going to work because I, I point to this, this, or this. So right now I'll say no because there's nothing that's showing me that this will work. Yeah, I, and I also can't find a precedent with a defensive coach where this works yeah. either. That's the other thing that I have concerns about. So I, I hope I'm wrong. I hope it works for Marcus Freeman. And college football is better when Notre Dame's good. So yeah. I want to see this. I'm not a Notre Dame hater. I hope that I hope that this works out. I just don't understand why you didn't go higher. The most qualified adult for your job. It feels like what Tennessee did for a decade. Is that you just, hired somebody that people like or that has relationships or yada, 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 instead of hiring the most qualified adult for your job. I just keep going back to saying, look what USC did. Look what LSU did. They said, hey, we want to win right now. We're going to go pay a proven winner to come coach one of our programs. That's one of the best in college football historically. Lineup. And, and there's been some backlash to that with Alante Taylor's announcement, Will. And, and quite frankly, I just don't get it, man. Um, Alante Taylor, who came out, posted along essentially a thank you you know, to, to Tennessee and to, you know, Ball Nation and everybody involved, his teammates, saying that he's been injured the past two games. Um, it's very important for him to get healthy, uh, to focus on the Senior Bowl week, and to forego and go to the NFL draft. Alante Taylor is a fourth-year senior. He does have an extra year of eligibility left thanks to the COVID year, but on a normal year, he would be gone. And so he says he will not be playing in a bowl game with Tennessee, but instead focusing on his preparations essentially for the NFL draft. I've been seeing some backlash about this man, and quite frankly, I just don't get it. I think that this is 100% for the right move for Alante Taylor, and for a guy that's played 45 games at Tennessee and guy that's essentially given it his all, you know, playing in the Tax Slayer Gator Bowl is is meaningless to him. It, long term, yeah. I yeah. mean, look, it's 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 an exhibition game. At the end of the day, yeah. look, it doesn't mean you can't be happy about it. it doesn't mean you're you'd rather be there than not. You much rather be there than not. Yeah, yeah. But at the end of the day, there's millions of dollars on the line for Alante Taylor. And so for for Alante, I look, I keep going back to Josh Dobbs, especially when I look at the Senior Bowl. Josh Dobbs was going to be undrafted, right? He goes to the Senior Bowl, he impresses everybody, and Josh Dobbs ends up being a fourth round pick. In his first contract, Josh Josh Dobbs made three million dollars, four year, three million dollar deal. Got a six hundred thousand dollars signing bonus. Got uh, seven hundred fifty thousand dollars a year average salary. That's what he got. That was just a fourth round pick. I believe Alante has an opportunity to work himself into becoming a, a second day pick, which means second or third round pick, which would mean more money than that with the salary structure that, that that's set up right now. And for him dealing with an injury right now, now the key for him is going to be this: <coughs> perform well, interview well. He's going to do that. Yeah, and then run. He's if he's injured right now and he's been fighting through an injury. There's no reason to go out there and do 15 more practices, fight through this injury, to go play in an exhibition game, fighting through an injury. To get to the Senior Bowl at the beginning of February and not be 100%. If he runs below four five, I think that Alante the expectations right around four five. If he's below four five, I think Alante is a second day pick. And if he's a second day pick, that's millions of dollars that's sitting there. Or if he's injured and he runs yeah. poorly and he goes and runs four six four seven, Alante might not be drafted, and that means he's going to get a, what a twenty thousand dollar signing bonus, twenty five thousand dollar signing bonus versus a six hundred thousand dollar or eight hundred thousand dollar signing bonus. You just can't you just can't risk that in my mind to go play a game injured that's an exhibition game at the end of the yeah. day. So this is the right business move in my mind, and I don't understand people. Alante owes us nothing. Yeah. He owes us absolutely nothing. And for the longest time, for the longest time, and of course this really hasn't been going on that long, so I guess I shouldn't say for the longest time. 
uh, you know, the players opting out of bowl games has become more and more you know relevant every single season. But for the longest time, when the first couple of years it started, I hated it. Okay, I'm a team guy. You know, I could I, I always said I could never see myself doing that, but I've never been in that situation before ever. And so I, I guess I can't really say that. You know, I hate it. When Christian McCaffrey opted out. They didn't play in his bowl yeah, game. Yeah, he and Fournette that first year. Yeah. That was a, those were the first two real big name guys that didn't play. And at the end of the day, those were meaningless bowl games, right? The Sun Bowl. So who cares? Like, it is nothing but a business decision. And so I understand. I understand the mindset that where people well, we still also might have Jalen Smith and Jake Butt since then, yeah. where guys cost themselves millions of dollars by getting injured yeah. during a bowl game. And it cost them literally millions of dollars. It cost them life-changing money by getting injured in a bowl game. Yeah. And so I, I get the mindset. I do. But at the end of the day, for, for, this, for, for these athletes... Uh, making personal decisions. And for Alante's case, he's already played 45 games for the University of Tennessee. I mean, he's played 45 games. He's probably started 44 of them, okay? He has, he has given his all, as he pointed out in this thing, for you know for his teammates and for the program and everything. And so, in my opinion, the, the regular, I mean, the season's over with, right? Sure, an eighth win on the season would look great. And it, a uh, an appearance in one of these bowl games is something to celebrate for this team. I think it's, um, I think it'll be fun. I think the practices will be good. You want to go out and win that game? I think that's awesome. Uh, but for a guy like Alante Taylor, for a guy like potentially, you know, we'll visit this and start bench cut. But, you know, Bayless Jones got his invitation to the Senior Bowl as well. Um, you know, will he play in the game? I don't know. Trey Smith played in the bowl game, you know, back in 2019. He played in the bowl game um, or 2020, whatever year it was. And, uh, you know, went on and, and did the Senior Bowl and all that type of stuff, too. Now I'm getting my years mixed up. But nonetheless, there are guys that play in bowl games and then go on and play in the Senior Bowl. But that's just a personal decision. So, um, it changes for everybody, but uh, for Alante Taylor, this makes absolute sense. You want to get healthy. You want to have rest essentially for two months to go out there and perform to the best of your abilities when every single NFL uh, team, front office, head coach, GM, multiple representatives from every franchise is going to be there. Not for the game. The game, sure, the game's fine. It's the week of practice. And that's when Alante Taylor wants to shine and where he wants to make his money. So I, I get this. I think it makes complete sense. You, you, you pointed out earlier to us that when you look at Alante, it's not just Alante is going to get work that week at safety. Alante is going to get work that week at slot corner. Alante is going to get work at a lot of different places. Yeah. Be able to speak to a lot of different people and try to find that place that will, that will utilize him. Like for Josh Dobbs, again, he was going to be undrafted. He ends up being a fourth round pick. That's what the, look, they, they carry two. Most teams carry two quarterbacks. Sometimes teams carry three. It's usually a bad decision, but sometimes teams carry three. They carry a lot of corners. Frankly, yeah. it's, it's there are more spots for corner and there aren't enough corners in the NFL to go around. So if, if Alante can work himself into a gig here, I get it's just millions of dollars. Like you got, you got to think of this. If that was your kid out there, those people out there listening to us, if that's your kid, and you're looking at $3 million, I kick it out. Maybe he doesn't make it. You know what I mean? After his rookie contract. No. But if he's got $3 million in his pocket and a college degree, by the time he gets out, that's that's life-changing mm-hmm. for him and his family. So I, I just look at this and just think, there's there's one, he doesn't owe us anything. Two, it's an exhibition game. Three, there's none of us out there that would take that risk. Now, if a dude <laughs> wants to take that risk, I tip my cap to them. But, yeah. it, but let's not act like it's not a risk, and it's a big risk. And I think it's important, something you said a moment ago, too. It's not like Alante Taylor doesn't want to play in this bowl game. I mean, he even says this is the hardest decision I've ever made in my life. He's a team guy. I mean, he's a captain, yeah. right? Um, he wants to be there and do one last hurrah with Theo Jackson, Matthew Butler, and Jaquan Blakely, and some of these other seniors that he has been through the ringer with. So, you know, we'll have to see. But um, it's... Uh, it, Real quick, is there any other Tennessee uh, player in this situation that you can see maybe sitting out a bowl game? Um, I, Valus is the one guy that I thought about there. I think Matthew Butler seems like the kind of guy that's going to play, and I think I he, like that too. And, and I think that he 
he may help himself playing a little bit as well because of the way that it, it didn't go great down the stretch of that defensive line. Yeah. So get everybody healthy in that defensive front seven and Kate, playing in a game against another team besides just a trash yeah. team down the stretch. I think maybe it helps Matthew Butler a little bit. Cade Mays is injured right now. Oh, yeah. I can't imagine Cade Mays is playing. Yeah. I, if Cade Mays, unless Cade Mays just wants to go play for Cade Mays, there, from a business standpoint, there is no reason for Cade Mays to play in that game. Yeah. That's Eric Kane. I'm Will West. We'll come back on the other side. Major League Baseball hitting a critical mass today. Lockout is coming. How long will they be locked out, and what do you need to know about it? We'll tell you about it next. It's the starting lineup on 99.1, the sports animal. Around noon or a little afternoon, but some point some point today, Major League Baseball is hitting a lockout. Come on, Braves. You still got time. Get Freddie signed. <laughs> Just do it right now. <laughs> and I'm in contract. It's it's probably not going to happen, though, there, Kaner. Uh, nah, you, no. you are dyed-in-the-wool baseball guy. Yeah. Does this do anything for to you as far as your love for the sport? Does it dampen your love for the sport? No, and no. are you concerned about the future of the sport? Uh, no, because I don't. I don't think viewership is going to be affected whatsoever uh, for it. I also I don't like the owners to begin with. I hate the commissioner. I think he's a clown. So nothing nothing changes for my. I mean, even if it did, I mean, I'll still watch every single game. Right, I'm going to come back regardless. It's it's the casual baseball fan that I'm worried about here. I, I personally don't believe this lockout will last uh, enough to cut into the 162. At least that's what I'm hoping, but uh, it's weird. This is the first work stoppage in 26 years. Yep. Um, it's the ninth work stoppage in the history of the game, but the first in a long, long time. And I don't know if the two sides ever have ever been, you know, far enough apart. They met for seven minutes yesterday. Yeah. And said, nope, nope, nope. Okay, well, we're done here. Let's let's lock it out. And I mean, there, there's really bad blood because last year, if you didn't pay attention to it, the owners put together, they, they took a few sentences from player representation out of context, put those sentences together from, from an email, put those sentences together. And really what they did was they took an, a, a false accusation made by one of their lawyers saying the players said this when they didn't say it and then released that to the media as if it was real. And so ahead of everything of all the negotiations to get back for COVID. So I don't know if they've ever been more at odds than they are right now. And frankly, I think that's on the owners. So the players are being petulant on top of that. But I think it's on the owners. And the players were petty, hardcore petty uh, after the owners did that. As they should have been. Yeah, and, uh, I, I get it. I, it's, it's at least understandable that the players were petty. I don't think we get 162 this year. I think this is going to go for a while. I think the players have legitimate beef in the way that the the revenue sharing is handled. Uh, one of the big things they have a problem with is tanking. And if you look at it right now, somebody sent us this stat the other day. Max Scherzer is going to make more than both the Orioles and the Pirates. Yep. Than their entire payroll. Yep. Right? Major League Baseball has gone uh, 19 years, 17 years in a row of having record revenues that they've earned. And at that time, they've also decreased spending by almost 5%. So when you have record revenues and revenues going up and you're decreasing your spending per year at about 5%, what happens is eventually they're going to look at the NFL and say the NFL gets a 55-45 revenue split. The NBA gets a 50-50 revenue split. I think it's flipped that. The NFL's 50-50, NBA's 55-45. We want a guaranteed revenue split. And in the owners, I don't know if they're going to come off that. So I think we're going to be sitting here looking at this in, in March saying spring training hadn't happened yet. Yeah, service time manipulation is another thing, too, as well. I mean, how many times Ronald Acuna Jr.? I mean, your favorite team does it, too. My, my team did it with Ronald Acuna Jr. Yep. Uh, Chris Bryant with the Cubs. I'm just trying to think of the big ones here lately. Um, you have a stud that is, you know, Harold is the top, you know, top prospect or number 10 prospect or whatever, and you've heard his name for a couple of years, and then he's up to AAA, and then he balls out in spring training, and it's clear he's one of the best on the team. He can hit four in your lineup right now, and then you don't see that kid again until – 
May 1st. Yeah. It's because if you keep them down for four to six weeks or whatever the case is, the team owns another year of rights for that player. Your team does it. My team does it. Everybody, the players want that to stop. It's 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 so bush league. So service time manipulation, revenue sharing, uh, expanded playoffs. I think also the idea that you're 28, 20, at, at the youngest, you're 28 before you could actually sign a real free agent contract. A lot of times you're 29 or 30 before you sign a real free agent contract. Yeah. So then you're making $30 million a year. Two of those years are dead money at the back end. But the player, the, but you made not a lot. Like Shohei Otan is making nothing right no. now compared to what other athletes are making and in their sports. And that's why, you know, where, where the Braves slip up on, on a number of things. That's why I you can you can actually appreciate what they did for Ronald Acuna Jr. and Ozzie Albies a couple years ago. Yes, Acuna Jr. is one of the game's best players. He's getting paid chump change compared to some of the other, uh, some of his peers. But they paid him four years before he was eligible to make even more money. So they said, hey, let's sign a 10-year, $100 million deal right now to where you can start making money right now for you and your family. You don't have to wait four more years, five more years, to where we're both in a bind. And that's why the Braves did it. That's just one example. Uh, but typically, you're waiting for the longest time before you start making actual real money. Yeah, look, Shohei Otani made $3 million last year. The revenue, the veteran minimum for the NBA is $2.6 million. It's <laughs> incredible. So, but, so if you're a young player, you don't have X number of years of service time in, you can't go get a real free agent deal. And so what they want is to be able to get a free agent deal at 25 instead of getting a free agent deal at 30, right? Yeah. And yeah. so, and it makes sense. I understand that point of view completely. Now, both sides are petulant. Both sides are acting like big, huge jerks. Yep. And the, both sides are annoying. And so I'm not really rooting for anybody to win here, but I do think that Major League Baseball needs a restructuring of their of the way that they, they pay labor. And I think the owners are going to try to fight that tooth and nail because people don't, you know, the toothpaste is out of the tube. And at this point, you don't want to have to put it back in there. I'm rooting for Rob Manfred to get fired. <laughs> Alan's next in on a starting lineup. Alan, welcome in on the Stanley Fencing and Gates Hotline. How are you, man? Oh, doing good, guys. How are y'all this morning? You're doing, doing well. well. Thanks for your time. What do you think about the Major League Baseball lockout? Uh, I think they've got an opportunity now to change the game and start winning back fans. They need to bring more drama into the game. So what I propose is is they shake up the way baseball's played. All right, so let's start with pitching. You know, they want to put a, a clock on the pitcher. Now, that's a waste of time. You get six pitches. As a hitter, you get six pitches. If you don't do something in six pitches, you either walk or you're out. Right? Okay. And the, the lineup, right, you got a batting order. Why do I have to tell you who's coming up to bat? Right? I, as, a, as a mediocre fan, you know, when I watch baseball, I watch to, watch to see Chipper Jones come up to bat. I think Chipper Jones ought to bat every inning. Right? So if I need a home run hit, why am I bringing up a – you know, a guy that doesn't hit home runs. Hey, Alan, thank you for calling, man. I, Alan's doing really straight up like sci-fi world building there he's, with the whole thing. I, I agree. Me. I agree with you, Alan, on that things need to change. Uh, the, the difference is hardcore baseball guy like Eric Kane doesn't want to see it, right? So, like I've told you, I would have you have three pitchers a game. That's what you get. I do like soccer. I hate that where you get three pitchers <laughs> per game because I don't want to see again. There were there was a Dodgers Braves game last year with seventeen pitchers. No, yeah. I have seventeen pitchers. Are you kidding me? Enough already. Mm-hmm. So I, I don't want to see that bullpen games. I would get rid of that. I would also make sure that you you. Have, you have a bullpen dead, games because you don't have enough starting pitching dead, to begin with. Dead ball. Like that, that's what I would look at as well, is I would make sure you don't have a juiced ball. And Major League Baseball used the juiced ball for a little while, then used a dead ball for a little while last year, and they just came off of that last month or two. That they had they finally admitted, I guess the last or last week or two, that they admitted, yeah, we changed the baseball midseason to start using a live ball again just to get some 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 eyeballs. They need to stop trying to manipulate the game and just go play baseball. I don't think you'll be all right. 
Um, but it, it right now it's it's hemorrhaged audience, but they're making money while they're hemorrhaged audience because people need content and it's cheaper to pay for a major league baseball game on a regional sports network. And it's going to be cheaper to pay for a major league baseball game on a streaming service than it is to pay for anything else that's out there that you might create. That's original programming. Last two years, the major league baseball playoffs have uh, the ratings have skyrocketed. You know why though? The world series is down though. World series was one of the lowest it's ever been. It's the second lowest. That makes no sense though, because the Atlanta Braves were in the world series and the the NL NL was, she was through the roof. The, The NLCS was just, Incredible. Yeah, it was a good, but the difference is nine million for the NLCS is fantastic. Sixteen million for the World Series is bad. Yeah. So it's just a matter of nobody wanted to watch the Astros at the end of the day. Yeah. And, and that make and that it is what it is. But sixteen million is still better than anything else you're going to put on television for the mm-hmm. most part. I, uh, you know, I, I agree with Alan as well. I mean, some things you know can change. You can you tweak here, tweak there. I mean, the designated hitter is going to come to the National League. That's you know that, that that's a big one, especially for guys like me. I mean, I'm fine with that actually. Um, but I mean the shifts, the analytics, the pitchers. I mean that's here to stay. That's not that's not going anywhere. Um, but uh, for, for for the blue blood baseball guy, I was almost in tears <laughs> hearing Allen go over the, all the suggested changes he has. Man, I, that that, 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 Alan, was, that was wild. Allen, I say let's get nuts, right? Let's do some world building like we're the like well like we're we're building the matrix over no, here. No. That's Eric Kane. I'm Will no. West. Notre Dame has a new college football coach. We'll tell you who it is next. Give you our thoughts about that hire. This is the starting lineup of 99-1, the sports animal. Here's Kanner with your Tennessee Lottery sports update. They, you might say, well, who is Marcus Freeman? Yeah, he's the guy that's been the defensive coordinator there for a year. That's we, who he we, is. We, too, had to look him up. <laughs> um, <laughs> they, they, look, I'll be real. I was told a couple of days ago this might happen. And I was like, you're, you're right. Uh, you got Matt Campbell sitting there and possible or possibly Luke Fickle, and you're just going to promote Marcus Freeman. But this, you know what? We see this a ton. And, and look, I hope this works out because I, I – I have told Marcus Freeman's just a great guy. Yeah. This feels like Tennessee hiring. Let's just go hire the incestual hire. We we need to go hire Brady Hoke of Michigan. He's a Michigan man. That's that's what this feels like. It feels like that you got rejected. And so you gone and found yourself someone who really, really, really wants your job and is excited about it. And the boosters are excited. The players are excited. And the former players are excited. He has all the relationships in the world. And he ain't coached a god dang thing in his entire life. And so you're Notre Dame. You could have gone and gotten a proven commodity as a head coach. And you went and got somebody who could be great, but he's underqualified. He's not qualified for the job. And Notre Dame is a great job, not a good job, a great job. And you didn't. You wouldn't. You went with an unproven commodity. If 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 you go hire Luke Fickle and Freeman goes and takes the Cincinnati job and proves himself and then gets a big job, that would make all the sense in the world. Or if you hired Matt Campbell and Iowa State said we want to hire Freeman to be our our new head coach. That would make all the sense in the world. Yep. And then if he does well for two or three years, then somebody else hires him. Maybe this works out because we saw Lincoln Riley work out at, at Oklahoma State. We are at Oklahoma. We saw um, we, we saw Ryan Day work out at US or at Ohio State. I cannot remember seeing a, a defensive assistant that gets promoted like this that works out. Literally zero, not one. Dabo Swinney got promoted at Clemson. Worked out. I can't imagine. I can't remember seeing a defensive assistant. I can't remember this happening as a defensive for a defensive assistant since Bob Davey. And how'd that work out for Notre Dame the last yeah. time they tried to do something like this? I just I look at this and I think this is this is you not hiring the most qualified adult for your job if you're Notre Dame. And I hope it works out because Freeman seems like a great guy. I love the youth movement idea of a 35 year old head coach doing the defense, a 29 year old offensive coach. I love that idea. But I don't think it's going to work. I'm just going to be completely honest with you. This is going to fail, and in three years or four years, you'll be doing this again. You know, when Lincoln Riley got promoted, when uh, when Ryan Day got promoted, I mean, you you had two coaches who were great. 
saying, hey, that is my guy. That's this, the guy. Hire this guy right now. I'm telling you, you want to win football games like I they did? Hire this a guy. secession plan. Yeah, like like Hubert Davis with with uh, with Williams, yep. and of course when Roy Williams when he retired to Carolina. It's like okay, I, there's a lot of stock in that. I, I can I can buy into that. Um, that's not what this was right here. And again, I, also unless I'm just missing it on his resume here, I don't think he's ever served this being Marcus Freeman as an assistant head coach. And you know, a, a lot of times you're offensive coordinator and assistant head coach. You are wide receivers coach and assistant head coach. There's more responsibilities in terms of administrative duties uh, outside of just coaching your position or calling plays. And he's never done that. I mean, this is a big jump for him. Uh, 35 years old. He he was the defensive coordinator calling plays exclusively at Cincinnati for three years. You know, for the guy that probably should have got this job in Luke Fickle. Um, he was a co-defensive coordinator at Purdue for a year, and then he's just been a, a linebacker's coach and then a graduate assistant. So he doesn't really have a resume of a guy that's kind of kind of been building, building, building to this. So to me, I just I I, I want to. Why did Notre Dame rush so quickly? I understand the early signing period is in two weeks. I get that. Wait for this weekend to see exactly what happens with Luke Fickle. If you win, you can't afford to wait. On my opinion, what happened with Matt Campbell? Why isn't Notre Dame doing what USC did, what LSU did, saying, "Hey, I'm this brand of college football. I'm going to go get the guy that I want. I'm going to pay him money, and that's just going to be that because I am this brand of college football." Notre Dame didn't do that, and that just, in my opinion, shows you what Notre Dame has fallen to. I, I think I think it's they made an emotional decision on something where you need to make logical decisions. Yeah, and I think that they got rejected. Like I, I used to have this buddy that every time he broke up with a girl when we were in our 20s, he went back to one of the two girls he dated in high school. For just a little while, right? Because he knew that they had feelings for him, and he could get, his ego could get reinflated after feeling rejection. It feels like Notre Dame felt rejection, and so they wanted to go to somebody who wanted the job really bad, and so that they like. And so I think that's what they've done. Instead of going again and getting the most qualified adult for their job, it's one of the reasons why I kept saying over and over again that Tennessee, when they would hire a new coach, this is going to fail. Why? Because you didn't go hire the most qualified adult for the job. This person's not qualified for the job. Why are you hiring him? Is there another power? Is there another big program that would hire Marcus Freeman? I mean, prob- they didn't. probably probably not. Florida yeah, wouldn't hire happen. Marcus Freeman. LSU wouldn't hire Marcus Freeman. I didn't hear Marcus Freeman hire Marcus Freeman in a conversation Oklahoma, until Brian Kelly left. Oklahoma wasn't hiring Marcus Freeman. Yeah. So I, I hope this works. This feels a whole lot more like Larry Coker than it does Lincoln Riley, though. And so I, I just I don't understand. I don't understand the idea of doing this because you're Notre Dame. Yep. Right. And and you could have gone and gotten someone who's proven. And maybe this works. Why would you roll the dice? But but we do this in college football all the time. You'd see. I mean, so and so coach doesn't work out here. Just well, I'll just go get go get go get cut. Right. Go get uh go get Lane. Familiarity. People crave familiarity after rejection. Yeah, and that's... I think that's what's happened here with Notre Dame is they they're sticking with the familiar. Uh, because they got they felt rejected as T- opposed to hiring the most qualified adult for your job. Why well, can't T. Martin be the head coach here? The same thing. Yes, it's, it's, yes. Because go get Peyton to be the head coach. You're not. Right? You're not qualified. That, that, that's that's no disrespect to T. I think he's a great position coach, but it's just not it's not the move, right? It's it is not the move. And yeah. I hope and I hope I'm wrong. I hope that three years from now a Notre Dame fan calls and it says West, you're an idiot. You know what I mean? And, and I I really do hope I'm wrong here. Won't be the first time. Oh, yeah, no, no, no. I've we'll heard not. it a couple of times. <laughs> yeah, it, it frankly is well deserved at times. <laughs> but usually on this type of thing, I'm not wrong. There's not. I'm I'm, I'm rarely right. But when I am, it's usually about a head coaching hire in college football where you hired someone emotionally that isn't qualified for the job and it doesn't work. And then everybody's like, I can't believe this didn't work because you didn't hire the most qualified adult for the job. This isn't hard. That's Eric Kane. I'm Will West. Do you want to play the game? 656-9900 is your phone number. We need two callers right now. Starting lineup, 99.1, the sports animal. Business has always been about turning a profit. 
making money. But can it stand for something more? Something beyond dollars and cents? We think so. We think that today, business has a higher calling, a purpose to be fair and just, to do right by their workers, customers, communities, and the environment. And it turns out companies successful doing that also do better for their bottom line. When you see the Just Capital seal, it means this company is a force for good. Visit justcapital.com to learn more.